of spiritual power for a few minutes this morning. Spiritual power. And this is a familiar verse to many of you. Uh, you have it memorized. They that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31, shall renew their strength. And so obviously we, we're going to want to understand what it means to wait upon the Lord. We, we communicate to Him when we feel we have need. We go to Him in prayer. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, it's very clear in the Word of God that um, the strength that we have this morning to come to this service, physical strength, the uh, spiritual strength that we have to uh, understand God's will and leading in our lives, it all comes from Him. Uh, a lot of people don't understand this, and someone in our fellowship told me very recently uh, of someone that they met who said, you know, um, I don't know God, and God doesn't do anything for me. I've heard that before, and there is an answer to that, not a sarcastic answer, uh, but a careful answer. Uh, the, the breath that we have, the strength that we have, the ability to work and do things comes from our Lord, doesn't it? Isn't he the one who gives us the strength to do these things? This, uh, the prophet said, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Prophet Isaiah said that. It's beautiful. Uh, the Lord is my strength. So uh, I'm just going to start with this right now. We're going to talk a little bit about the power of the Lord. Uh, the fact that we have the strength and the ability to get around, uh, to function before him. Uh, that comes from our awesome Lord. When you look at the Word of God, you see that it is clear that being born again does not automatically solve all of our spiritual problems and needs that come into our lives. I'm going to repeat that. Being born again does not automatically solve all of our spiritual problems and things that come into our lives that need the Lord. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world system with its standards, its values, its immorality, its materialism. These things can often pose a major opposition for believers who want to serve the Lord. I'm going to repeat them again. The world's standards, the world's values, the world's immorality, the world's materialism can get in the way and we have to be careful to be able to in our mind and thinking sift through these things and see what God has for us in his will, plan and purpose world system, first enemy second enemy of course is Satan uh, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and yes Satan does tempt us to sin and um, you know Satan is very limited, he's not omnipresent the way God is but he has demonic forces, and um, there are times when I've heard people in this very fellowship say, you know, I think Satan's on my back. I'm experiencing a lot of temptation, a lot of struggles, and um, there are things we can do. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about these as well. And then, of course, there's the flesh, and the flesh is living apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit that lives within us as believers. Uh, we still have a 
capacity, a, a propensity to sin as believers, the flesh, doing things without that power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. However, God has given us tremendous provision for victory over sin, power over sin, and uh, power in our lives as believers. Now, Romans 8.29 says this, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. I think we really need to bring this up in our mind and thinking that the Lord wants all of us as believers, every one of us, to get to the place where we are more and more and more like Jesus Christ. He is our example in all things. We look to him as our standard for pleasing the Father in heaven. The goal of the Christian life for us here on earth is that we become like Christ. And that reference, by the way, is uh, Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate that we might be conformed to the image of his Son. And uh, so the Lord wants us to become more like God. The Father wants us to become more like Christ. Uh, How did Christ forgive people? Hard thing to do. Uh, You and I know things that have happened uh, to other believers, uh, very difficult things, and yet the Lord wants us to have a spirit of forgiveness like Jesus had when he was on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They do not know what they're doing. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this as well. There is the power uh, to um, respond to the issues of life with the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Now there are two key verses in the Word of God with regards to the Lord transforming our lives, making us more and more like Christ. And uh, you you would probably say this morning, uh, you know, here I am, it's August in uh, 2018, and I am different than I was last year in August. And that's because the Lord is working in your life. He's transforming you. Uh, He's giving you more insights uh, with regards to his will in your life. There's two key verses with regards to transformation, which God is working in our lives as believers. In other words, um, we're saved, we are on our way to heaven, but we're not standing still spiritually. As we allow the Lord to work in us, it's amazing. He brings us closer and closer uh, to what his son, Jesus Christ, is really like. first one is Romans uh, 12, 2, where the apostle says, And do not be conformed to this world system. We mentioned that one of the enemies of the believer. Remember, there's three. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Three enemies we all have. So the apostle says, Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are our minds renewed? Uh, by uh, looking into the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your, wor- of your mind. So as you look into the word of God, you hear the truth of God and the Lord keeps changing your thinking. You see, the world says, hate your enemies. The Lord says, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And um, very, very, very important. The second verse is 2 Corinthians 3.18, which we had read in Scripture this morning, where it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the Word of God, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image. So the more you hear about Jesus, the more you look into the Word of God, it's amazing. That's why it's good to read the Word of God every day. 
The Holy Spirit who lives within you as a believer is going to take the things that you see in the Word of God, especially the things about your glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and He's going to continue to work them out in your mind and experience. And you notice I said in your mind again because the other verse talked about being transformed in mind. So, you know, once in a while we should check, uh, catch ourselves and say, am I really thinking about this issue, whatever it is, the way I should think about it? Is my thinking right? Am I looking at this right? Am I responding to this person the way you want me to? It's good that we interact with our Lord because um, what goes on in our minds leads to the things that we do. And the Lord does want to transform our thinking. And we're going to talk about powerful things for a few minutes. And uh, it's these things, you see, that God uses in our lives to transform us. The first major transformation, of course, took place when you were saved. Uh, some people know exactly when they were saved. They know exactly where they were. And uh, some know, even know the time. Some know the verse of scripture that was used when they were saved. By the way, I was asked that this past weekend. Um, let me ask you real quick. Now think for a minute. And if your hand doesn't go up on this, don't feel guilty. and Say, hey, those guys know the scripture. Can, anyone, can you think of the passage of Scripture that might have been used at the very time you were saved? I'll raise my hand. Okay? See, so not everybody can think of that. But, you know, mine was easy. I mean, too easy, John 3.16. But it was being explained, and at a very young age I realized that I needed Jesus to be my Savior. Okay? So there's power. There's power in the gospel to change us. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Then right under that verse, there's power in the gospel, is Romans 1.17, which says, The just, the righteous before God, shall live by faith. Now, you look at that verse and you say, okay, I got it. I, I understand that we're saved on the basis of faith. Most Christians can look at that verse and say, you know, I understand the just shall live by faith. I want to give you on a reach into some church history just for a minute. There was a man by the name of John Wesley. In 1738, he was a discouraged missionary. Now you say, whoa, he's a discouraged missionary. Yes, someone can be in ministry... And still not know Jesus as Savior. That was true of John Wesley. He said he was invited to a spiritual meeting in London. And he didn't want to go. But when he went, he heard Romans 1, 16 and 17 being read. Power of the gospel. Power of the word of God. And this is what he said. He wrote this in his journal. I like it. I really do. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Jesus Christ and Christ alone for salvation. An assurance was given me that Christ had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me. Here is a religious man who didn't know Christ, but he went to a meeting and he got saved with the reading of Romans 1.17. That's the power of the gospel. It's extremely powerful. And, of course, the reason the Apostle Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is because it brings salvation from sin. You see, you and I as believers, 
We've received Christ as our Savior, and God has forgiven our sins. And positionally before Him, we're ready for heaven. We really are. You say, well, you know, there's things in my life that i got to get worked out. Sure. But as believers, positionally, we're sanctified in Christ. We're set apart in Him. We've been forgiven of our sins, and we're ready for heaven. That's the power of the gospel. In fact, the the, um, verse that we looked at, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God. That word power is dunamis, which comes from the word uh, that we use. Uh, We get our word dynamite from the Greek word. And uh, the gospel, is it really that powerful? It is. It's powerful. Um, it, It explodes in someone's mind and thinking when they hear. Look, you can be forgiven of all your sin and you can go to heaven. I like to use those two when I'm talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus. And somewhere along the line... Probably you're going to be seeing someone or talking to someone who needs Jesus as their Savior. And, uh, you know, you want to be sure and give the gospel. And the gospel is clearly given in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. And uh, Larry Moyer, professor of evangelism at Dallas Seminary, said, You really need to boil the gospel down to just the basics of the gospel as it's given in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 and it's in, given in 10 words now I tried to do this last Sunday and I had 11 or 12 and I asked the Lord for forgiveness and Larry Moyer Christ died for our sins and that's the gospel see that's what a person must believe in order and wrote Rose the third day. Got it. If I put again in there, I got 11 words. 10 words. Christ died for our sins. He rose the third day. And that's a historic event in which Jesus Christ, and we celebrated that this morning at the table, willingly went to the cross and paid the price for my sin 2,000 years ago, for your sin as well. That's the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the power of God in the gospel message. Let's think again. The Lord worked in your life, brought you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says you were taken out of the power of darkness and put into the kingdom of God's dear Son. You now as a believer, you're in the family of God. And He's watching after you. He's looking at you. He's taking care of you. He's available to you and His power through the Holy Spirit lives within you. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're taken out of the power of darkness, Satan's kingdom, and we're placed in the kingdom of God's dear son. And I've mentioned this, and Doke knows I've mentioned it many times. Dr. Pentecost used to say, because you know Jesus is your Savior, Satan has no authority over your life. You belong to the Lord and live in fellowship with him because you're in the family of God and uh, the, the Lord is going to, promises to, supply all your need. Secondly, let's think about the power of the word of God. We have before us this morning... Uh, the written word of God, and it's living and it's powerful. We could have a testimony time of what God's word has done in your life. But I love the reference, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
It's living because it comes to us from our living God. He supernaturally guided the writers of Scripture so that we have His very own word here. In fact, in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, we read the prophet said, the Lord said through the prophet, For as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, God said. It shall not return unto me void. You know, when you stop to think about that, you like to share God's word with somebody else. We don't preach at people, by the way. We've got to be real careful of our tactics. But we sometimes want to share what God has said. Well, don't underestimate when you share with a friend, a relative, somebody at work, a verse of scripture. Again, someone just yesterday shared with me how there was someone at their work who was going through tremendous trial. He said, trials, needs, I, you could hardly imagine. And she said to uh, John, she said, uh, John Beret it was, she said, my life has collapsed. And he said, yeah, but there's a God who can pick you up. And, and did a wonderful job witnessing, gave her one verse of Scripture. You see, the Word of God is living and it's powerful. And, and God will use His Word when you share it with somebody else. It's alive. It's the living Word of God. We could go through many things. And you might want to jot this down sometime. Reasons why you read the living Word of God. Because... Um, it gives direction because it gives wisdom, because it guides us in purity. It, it provides joy for us. How does it provide joy? Well, you look into the Bible and you start reading the promises of God. There's a real heaven where our Lord is. Jesus Christ is the right hand of the Father. Loved ones who have died before us, before we die. They're in heaven with the Lord. This brings us joy to know the truth of what God has said is. Truth is what is, you see. The Word of God is living and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. In fact, sometimes it, deeps, it cuts down into our lives and it convicts us. Someone in our Sunday school class this morning was saying, and I really appreciated it, um, so did Austin. We really appreciated what he said. He said, you know, the Word sometimes, the Word of God convicts us. And that's good when we get convicted. Because the Lord can help us to get something out of our lives that shouldn't be there. And it's the Word of God, the Bible. It's living. It's powerful. And it brings conviction. And, of course, the uh, psalmist prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And as we mature in Christ, we really should be praying, Lord, is there anything in my life that you don't want there? Maybe there's something I do often. Is there anything, Lord, you want me to change? That's maturity. You see, when you can go before the Lord, confess sin, which we don't like to do. Confess sin means to name it. Lord, here's something I've done. You ask the Lord to forgive you, and he does. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we need to be careful. For we go to bed at night. To make sure we're confessed. Lord, I said something today I shouldn't have said. Or I was thinking about that person. Shouldn't have had those thoughts at all. There was something I was despising that you've given me to do. And I shouldn't be doing that. 
So we confess it to the Lord, and he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. The psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. It's good that we pray that way. Again, I want to mention and close on this verse, and I'll just talk a minute about prayer. But the power of the Word of God. That verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. But we all with unveiled face. See, Moses veiled his face when he came down from the mountain. He was up in the presence of God. And he literally glowed with the glory of God as he was given the commandments of God. And he came down from the mount and he put a cover, a veil over his head so that the people of Israel wouldn't see that that glory was fading away. Wow, he's been in the presence of God. But look now, he just doesn't have any glory at all. So in order that they wouldn't see that fading glory, he had a veil. Well, those who don't know Jesus as their Savior, they have a veil over them. They can't see Jesus like you do. They can't see the beauty of Christ. They don't realize it. Jesus died on the cross for their sins, shed his blood, paid, so that sin can be totally forgiven. That's what we celebrated at the table this morning. How awesome. But you see, the text says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, all believers, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed. So every time, I believe every time, you can say maybe you're overstating it. Go ahead and say it. But when you look at the Word of God, and many of you have said, you know, boy, I was blessed by this verse this week. <laughs> I mean, this, this is real. Boy, I love what I heard in Sunday school this morning. That, that truth. You see, the more you're in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit takes what's in the Word of God and He changes us. He makes us more and more like Himself. And you see, we're not standing still spiritually if we're in the Bible. We're in the Word of God. Now, if you're not in the Bible, if your Bible's not open during the week, and I'm not trying to lay guilt on you, but if your Bible is closed during the week, that's not good. You need to have an open Bible. And when you pray, you need to say, Lord, I thank you for this truth that you've just taught me. Because that verse says that the Holy Spirit transforms you. He changes you more and more into the image of Christ when we started. Lastly, I just want to mention again, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Power of the gospel, power of the word of God, and the power of prayer. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find grace to help in time of need. We pray for our children. Don't stop. We pray for our grandchildren. Don't stop. We pray for our great-grandchildren, some of us who have them. I don't yet. That wasn't an announcement. (laughs) There's no underestimating the power of prayer. That you and I as believers, again, the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God, and the power of prayer. That you and I as believers, we go to the very God of the universe who created everything. And we ask him to do things on our behalf. You know, it wasn't that long ago when Vice President Pence was severely criticized. Because they said, hey, did you hear what Vice President said? He said he talks to God and God talks to him. I'm real concerned about that man. You know what I would say? I'm real concerned that you don't understand what he's doing. 
What did the Lord say? Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. God doesn't speak from heaven verbally, but he communicates through his Holy Spirit to our minds and our thoughts. You pray about something, and it's amazing how the Lord helps you to make decisions. Sometimes the, the smallest of decisions... The Lord is right there. You see, you meet somebody new. How should I respond to this person? The Lord works in your mind and in your heart because he, he's a, we say it this way, prayer hearing and prayer answering God. The Lord said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How awesome the power is that's been given to us. I'll mention this. We'll close in prayer. I have a book in my library that I bought a number of years ago, and it's called, the title of the book, you're going to like the title, Pray Big. Pray Big. Now, there's some, his writing, some of the terms he uses in there, I'm not wild about, okay? But he said, pray big. And the reason he did it, because... He was reading again, same verse we read all the time. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And then he stopped and he's looking at the verse and he says, I think I'm not asking the Lord for um, big things, greater blessing in my life. I'm kind of keeping my prayers down here rather than my prayers... Lord, would you be pleased to do this for your honor and for your glory? It must be that. And uh, he said, you know, when we think of the power of prayer and God's promises, call to me and I'll answer you. He said, wow, I think I may be giving the Lord only little tiny prayer requests. So he sat down and wrote the book, Pray Big. What an awesome God we have. He makes his power available to us. The power of the gospel power of the word of God and the power of prayer and he works in our lives I want to mention a caution real quick all of us have experienced times of weakness maybe physical weakness maybe times when we really weren't on the mountaintop spiritually spiritual weakness we do but you know the word of God speaks to this when we're experiencing weakness you will recall you will recall that the apostle said, finish the verse for me, 2 Corinthians 12.10. For when I am weak, I'm going to go one more time. When I am weak, right. Now, why did he say that? Because in his time of weakness, which we all experience sometimes, the Holy Spirit comes along and he strengthens him on the inside. So if there are times when you feel, you know, I really feel that I'm spirit, I'm rather I'm weak at this time. I don't have the spiritual strength. I don't have the thinking ability with regards to the will of God in my life. I do feel weak. It is amazing if you take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I feel weak. He's pleased to put into our lives as we submit to Him His power and His strength. When I am weak, then I'm strong. One more. Though our outward man may perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm talking about this parenthesis. We've been talking all about the power of God. But then we have to balance that by saying there are times we feel weak, and there are times we are weak physically. Though our outward man is perishing, 
that we're getting weaker. We're not as strong as we used to be physically. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Her name was Shirley Ashley. We knew her well in New York. We would drop by to see her. She was told she had cancer. Shirley was a strong woman, a strong mother. Cooked for the whole family and, you know, did a lot of things. Found out she had cancer. We'd stop by to see her. And as you and I know, sometimes people with cancer, uh, their physical appearance, they get, they get weaker. They don't have that physical strength. And uh, eventually, of course, Shirley went home to be with the Lord. But you know the interesting thing is, Shirley, she stayed strong spiritually. And she'd sit at that kitchen table and tell her children, you know, I'm going to heaven first, but I'll see you there. And uh, the Lord's taking care of me. And he, he's supplying for me every day. Because she knew 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, one more time, Though the outward man may be perishing, yet the inward man is renewed and strengthened by the power of God every day. That's our God who takes care of us and makes his power available to us. Let's pray together.